We had an email from a listener recently about getting a service on your car. Merv, the listener, was concerned about the cost and the necessity for such frequent services. I thought we'd talk to someone who is A, a keen motorist, B, has been known to do his own service, has a high degree of attention to detail and is not afraid to inform a dealer if he thinks the service arrangements need some improving and he definitely thinks they need some improving. Alan is an engineer and a good friend of this program, and he joins us on the line now. Alan, thank you very much for your time. Not at all, David. Now, Alan, I'll just confirm your credentials here. You have owned many cars over the years, and you still have the paperwork for most of the servicing you have done on the car. I think that indicates a certain, uh, uh, as I said, attention to detail. Yes, I guess uh, it's uh, pretty tragic in one way, but I have kept most of the records uh, for the various cars that I've owned over the years, going back to, I think, my first car that I bought in 1971. <laughs> I love it. I'm not saying that I refer to it on a regular basis. Well, you never know when you might have to go back to them. <laughs> I wonder whether, just uh, as an aside, uh, how detailed some people are. I mentioned to you our other good friend, uh, Dean, uh, was given an old Datsun 1600 in original condition. And the person who kept it was pedantic, a pedant in many ways, and had even kept the scraped-off rego labels from each of the year. Yes, I haven't gone that far, I'd have to say. I did keep some earlier paper uh, versions of driving licences before we went to plastic cards and things, but I certainly haven't gone as far as keeping old <laughs> registration labels. She has a thing her father had in 1956 of the cost of running the car then for a short period of time. It was a lovely document. Very, you know, how much price of petrol was. It was a great thing. Anyway, I do appreciate your detail. Yeah, you've done servicing on your own car, but you've also done partial servicing. How does that work? Up until about five years ago or six years ago, I was doing the oil change and filter change uh, on my car. I'd actually been taught by my father many, many years ago how to do basic car servicing. And of course, on older cars, it was possible to even do things like replace the gaskets in the carburetor and so on. These days, uh, the cars have so much electronics and computer-controlled engine management systems that it's much harder to do uh, any of the uh, complicated servicing tasks. So I was changing the oil and changing the oil filter, but then taking the car along to the dealer to have the remainder of the service items done. And that caused some uh, angst from the dealer's point of view. Well, you have a concern when they do change the oil, don't you, for how they actually work out uh, what to charge you? Yes, I've noticed that uh, most of the invoices I get from the services on my cars include an amount for five litres of oil. But many cars don't actually require a full five litres of oil when the oil and the filter is changed. And in any case, the dealer would be, I'm sure, drawing the oil out of a 200 litre drum and therefore should be able to charge you just the amount that the, um, the service requires. Uh, in some cars, it would only be, for example, 3.6 litres. I always seem to get charged by 5 litres. Yeah, it's not as if they're buying a bottle of it and they've got to throw away anything that's left over. And it's also, of course, they're buying it both... Uh, in bulk in terms of being able to just, you know, use it only the correct amount, but also, of course, in cheapness. You, you're concerned about the price. Absolutely. One of the last services that I had done, I paid $121.50 for five litres of oil. 
and uh, mm. I think you could buy the same oil at uh, at Repco or other retail outlets for around eighty dollars. But again, you would buy it in a five litre container. They would buy it in bulk. Absolutely, I'd be I'd be buying a five litre plastic container, whereas the dealer would be buying it, I'm sure, in two hundred litre drums and drawing it out with a with a pump. That includes things, even I think you mentioned things like uh, the gearbox oil and things, is it, or the diff. Which which was it? Those you you had an issue. One of my cars, they charged me one litre for one litre of gearbox oil when I was sure that the gearbox uh, only required uh, less than 100 millimetres of, of top-up oil, if that. So I think it's just a bit annoying that um, it seems that there's an attempt to either over-service or charge minimum, minimum amounts uh, regardless of the actual quantity used. Yeah, right up to even the windscreen washer solution. Yes, that's right. On on one of my last services, um, I was charged $11 for windscreen additive, which just seems amazing to me. I, I doubt that the windscreen washer container would have taken um, anything more than 100 millilitres of, uh, of uh, total solution, and that includes uh, the water as well as the additive. I would uh, assume that you'd kept it fairly well topped up anyway. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm one of these drivers who likes to check the fluid levels uh, under the bonnet uh, on a weekly basis. So I make sure that the windscreen washer uh, solution is, is topped up all the time. It's a thing we don't do often enough now, isn't it? I mean, it used to be a case that whenever you got your car filled up with petrol, you'd check the pressure in the tyres or certainly check the oil regularly. We don't seem to need it as much now to the concern that we never do it at all. Yes, I think that's right. And uh, there's no doubt that modern cars don't require the same amount of attention as, as older cars did. Uh, I can remember uh, the Holdens of the 50s and 60s needed an oil change and a grease uh, every uh, 1,000 miles, uh, which mm. is, uh, say, 1,500 or 1,600 kilometres. Modern cars these days with much better oils and um, sealed lubrication systems and so on some of them have their service intervals out to one year or 15,000 kilometres. But uh, I think drivers have come to rely a little bit too much on warning devices. So if, the, if the, none of the warning lights come on on the dashboard, uh, most people tend to make the assumption that everything must be okay. Yes, yes, that is really just waiting till th- something's almost broken before, well, has, you know, hasn't uh, worked properly before you even do something about it. Prevention is always better than cure. You talked about the regularity of service. You actually like to do, if you have a new car, to do the first service very soon, even sooner than they might suggest. Yes, one of the concerns that I have is that the initial fill of the oil in a new car in the first, say, month or so of running around is likely to pick up any impurities or perhaps metal filings or anything else that might have been left over from the manufacturing or assembly process. And uh, I've always thought it was good practice to uh, get rid of that initial oil fill uh, fairly early in the car's life so that um, there's no prospect of the uh, metal filings or other impurities uh, running around in that oil for the for the next 12 months or so until the service is due or perhaps six months in some cases. You uh, have surprised a few dealers, haven't you, of actually taking back saying, I, I want to have a service and pay for it uh, early. Yes, they did. They, they were very surprised about that. They kept on saying that the service schedule says it doesn't need to be done until 12 months for 15,000 kilometres. I took the view that I would rather 
pay for the service, uh, or, the, or the, at least the oil change component of it, and the filter change as a, a method of insurance. I was talking to Dr. Bridie Scott Parker, who's a psychologist and researcher in road safety, and one of the things she does with young people in terms of learning to drive is actually get them to walk around the car. There's also a guy who has a, what he calls the lemon car, which he has things that he can flick a switch and the brake lights don't work, and you, well, one of them doesn't work. And the point is that he takes it into schools, and again, they've got to walk walk around the car and try and identify what the problem is. We, we've lost that sort of association, that feel for a car, haven't we? So I agree. I, I think it's really important to do some basic uh, safety checks and to be aware of what is and what isn't working on the car. You see many cars driving around these days with one or more brake lights not working. In fact, I was following a car recently that where both of the regular brake lights weren't working and the only thing that was working was the, the high-level centre brake light. Mm. And uh, that can be really dangerous for, for other cars and things like a headlight not working can be really dangerous for oncoming traffic at night because people may uh, think that it's a motorbike coming along with mm. a single light and, uh, and not allow sufficient distance or clearance for, for an oncoming car. So I think it's really good and I think it makes you a better driver if you are more familiar with the way the car works and uh, the sorts of essential safety systems on the car. Even things like windscreen wipers which no one pays any attention to until it rains and then they they start noticing that perhaps a section of the windscreen is not being wiped as uh, effectively as it should be but then as soon as it stops raining they don't ever think about going and having the windscreen wiper uh, rubbers replaced. Yeah, and of course you can scratch the windscreen if you let it go too far. I mean, that's a classic example of not wanting to wait until it's broken. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think that whole sort of understanding... But One of the things I, I thought about was we don't check the pressure in our tyres as much as we should. Perhaps we ought to do it when we get, say, your credit card reminder once a month. You know, it's something that uh, it becomes a trigger for you to go and do something which you might not think about normally. Yes, I think that's a, that's a good idea. I, I would think that monthly is the uh, minimum sort of frequency that the tyres can be checked. Again, mm. some modern cars have a, uh, a tyre pressure warning uh, indicator. That relies on the fact that an underinflated tyre on one wheel will cause that wheel to rotate at a slightly different speed to the other wheels on the car. And that's how it's picked up, that there is perhaps a, a lower tyre pressure in, uh, in one of the tyres. That won't tell you whether all four tyres are underinflated. And uh, underinflation is uh, a really bad thing, both for the life of the tyre, because it will wear out more quickly and may overheat or, or fail in, in drastic circumstances, uh, but importantly, too, an underinflated tyre doesn't provide the same amount of uh, handling or, or contact surface with the road. And so the car is not going to handle as well, especially in an emergency situation. Ah, it's a very good point. It's a lovely point. Uh, I had a Mustang out uh, the other day. You had a little drive of it uh, as well. As it turns out, uh, it had a slow leak in the front less tyre that uh, the system highlighted, but it, it was down to 22 pounds per square inch before it actually came up on the dashboard as saying you have a problem. So 
you know, that was significantly different. Yes, and I'm not sure what the specified pressure would be for that car, but let's say that it might have been uh, closer to 30 pounds per square inch. That's a significant underinflation, and it would mean mm. that um, in an emergency, that tyre... Uh, would not be uh, capable of providing the same sort of uh, contact surface on the road. In years gone by, I've actually heard of cases where in, a, in an extreme emergency situation, a tyre has actually removed it or been rolled off the rim and then the, the rim of the wheel has dug into the road and caused the car to roll over. Mm. So it, it can have some drastic consequences. Yes, all the idea of whether I'm a good driver or not goes out the window, so to speak, if something mechanically goes wrong there's not much you can do about that that's right and tires are when you think about it are one of the most critical uh, components of the car if you think about the amount of contact area between the car and the road it comes down to four patches which are not a whole lot bigger than your palm of your hand and that's what the car is relying on for acceleration braking and cornering